Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Fairly Queer podcast. Welcome. My name is Sam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're so happy for you to join us today for our first episode of our podcast. It's going to be a real humdinger. So, Jeremy, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, sure, Sam. Thank you. So, um, for those of you all, uh, who, who don't really know me, I'll just start from, like, some basics. And those of you who do know me uh, better, well, then you'll have the special treat of me building it up from the ground up. So, I'm Jeremy. Um, my stage name as a performer is Handsome Jeremy. And most of, of what folks would know me for is as a musical collaborator and um, adjacent family biz whiz to the wonderful, if monstrous, creature known as Alaska. Alaska from RuPaul's Drag Race, um, finalist of season five and the undisputed, in my editorial opinion, of All Stars season two. Yes! Thanks, Sam. So I uh, have written songs for Alaska. We do cabarets together. I'm currently in between um, gigs with Alaska. I did our um, uh, collaborative album tour in UK, Amsterdam, and Ireland back in July. And we are um, still on the cabaret path for her one-woman show, for which I play a request section live. Um, so that's what a lot of people would know me for based on like social media or my connections to other folks. But in other chapters, I was a grad student of musicology, which we could talk about eventually. But musicology is basically music history, music theory, music criticism at UCLA. I was there uh, from 2006 to 2013. And um, otherwise, I've uh, created little bits of performance art and been involved with radical fairy culture, which has been very influential and inspiring to me. They've pretty much been a multi-continental family since, my goodness, probably 2004, 2005, when I first met some radical fairies. So, Sam, I think that's probably a good basic introduction, and then if anything strikes us as extra curious, we can go into that. Absolutely. And uh, my name is Sam. I do not have a stage name, but um, my last name is Smith. I'm not the musician that you might think, though. Uh, Nope, I'm just Sam Smith, living in Kentucky here. Um, I met uh, Jeremy when we were camping in Tennessee, and we've been friends ever since. Um, just to give you sort of a perspective on why we started this podcast. So, like I said, Jeremy and I became friends and I told him, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to like do a creative project together, you know, so we can keep in touch and like just have that bond. And I recommended a podcast to him and he said, oh yeah, I've talked to a lot of people about doing a podcast, but they never follow through. And I said, well, let me tell you something about following through. We're going to do this podcast. Um, We did actually do quite a few um, episodes that kind of end up on the cutting room floor for editing reasons. You know, we're both sort of learning about how this stiff works. But here we are now. Jeremy is visiting me in my old Kentucky home here in Kentucky. And since we're right next to each other, it's a lot easier to do podcasting. So 
Yeah, we're finally doing it. We're super excited, or at least I'm super excited. Are you excited, Jeremy? <laughs> Sam, I am. <laughs> Sam, I am. Um, because, like as you said, you um, you live here and you've made a home here, and um, being that this is a fairly queer podcast, um, we did get to know each other through the auspices, the uh, meetings of radical fairies in the woods, and um, I'm currently nomadic, so you have had the experience of building or having your experience in Kentucky as a queer person, and I have been around a lot of places, seen a lot of faces, and at least three continents now, and I think it'll be a really great to talk about place and space and how that deals with um, our queer experience. Yeah, it's uh, that sort of was one of the, um, I guess, inspirations or like, I don't know, our mission statement behind this podcast too. You know, Jeremy and I both have very different uh, paths that we've decided to take as queer people. Um, I, you know, you did actually live in Manhattan for about five years. And then, you know, I thought that my life was going to be on a very different path that it took, but something changed. Um, and I knew had a certain time and space that I needed a different type of life. So I moved, I actually originally moved to New Orleans and then I ended up in Kentucky and, you know, it just sort of was all about the simple things for me, which, you know, I think a lot of people equate being queer to you know city life or um i don't know just like a different kind of environment than what is a which is in reality a solidly red state but you'd be surprised um what kind of community you can find in places where you might uh, associate with a less liberal environment or a less queer environment speaking of which jeremy you've been staying with me for about four days what do you think of uh bluegrass state Sam, I see. Here's the thing, I love being proven um, that any pre-notions or prejudices that I might have about a place are misguided or misinformed. But for Kentucky, I've always had a sort of uh, uh, inclination to be really. Um, really proud and really um in a strange way i can't really describe like protective of like appalachian and rural queer community so like in the time i've spent you know a lot of your friends don't necessarily identify as queer but um they're supportive and they don't fuss and they aren't like giving you a hard time about it. So there's something really magical about being in a place like Kentucky, where I think because of certain kinds of um, values and certain kinds of experiences uniquely come together to create a accepting and tolerant space. And even though we've got a lot of political uh, 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 Unrest. Uh, unrest, I guess. <laughs> we usually associate unrest with Shenanigans actual... Shenanigans and buffoonery. Yes, Sam. I, we have a lot of uh, political, socio-political upheaval in this time where people are start starting to just be like, why do I need to 
feel a certain way or be angry or or like coddle anyone because of who they are. This is important. So I've gotten around to a lot of little stones across the stream, but I think it's beautiful here. And I think that, you know, seeing how folks of various kinds of queerness or people who don't really identify as such, but they still see you for you. And that's a really important um that's a really important reality for you, I feel. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, so you mentioned that you don't think that a lot of people, you know, in this environment identify as queer, but I actually would argue that they do. Okay. Um, I actually had a conversation with a bunch of my friends the other day about like sort of the difference between queer and gay or queer and being lesbian or queer and being trans and how, in my personal humble opinion, you can be queer and be totally like a cisgendered straight man it's just about embracing that kind of culture that doesn't um abide by these archetypes that have been created specifically by western culture um so yeah i mean i feel like kentucky can be pretty queer if you find the right people in the right environment yeah so what would you say you've been traveling a lot you just got back from tour right yeah what has your experience been in terms of queerity in you know all around the places that you visited you did a tour around europe right yeah um i've been on and off in europe for a number of years now and when i actually get to spend a bit of time i'm fascinated by both um the way that the american queer LGBTQIA, etc. narratives really influence um, a lot of non uh, non American cultures, and that's that can branch out to a greater, broader discussion of how American cultures um, strikes strikes like a primary force, and then the queer or the LGBTQIA, et cetera, force kind of just mirrors that. But um, I also find that what I'm really loving, this has to do with Kentucky, but also the question you just asked, is that like queerness to me is a uniqueness and locality of community. So like that to me means that I've loved visiting my queer friends in Bristol. There's a, there's a, refreshing community in Manchester. There's a really cosmopolitan but chill queer scene in um, Amsterdam. There's a very witchy kind of connecting Druid Celticness and like earthy uh, earth spirituality to queerness in places like Ireland. Um, but also that like the same issues that maybe adult queer folk uh, have concerns about that um, there's so much obsession in um, queer and LGBTQ, et cetera, culture based on just like partying and the nightlife and um, uh, that it's a lot of sex, drugs, and dance music. There's a similar, a similar worry. It's that like that there's a homogenization based on uh, media and the venues by which queer people come together. Being queer is more than just the club. I know, Sam. I absolutely agree. And I think, like, you know, when you think of 
you know, because we're fairies. Like, we met in the fairy environment where there's some variation of what you would call a metaphysical or a spiritual or a philosophical bent and that people are um, kind of aware of. And so how they implement that and how we create community communities there's my this is what happens when we get tongue-tied the level's a little too high we need to bring it down a notch sorry about that oh it's okay are you telling me to bring it down a notch Sam that part of the podcast is when you take your headphones off then put them back on anyway sorry I just derailed the whole conversation what were you saying Jeremy well Mostly that um, I think uh, it's just really helpful to to tell our stories about like how our how our friends and lovers and chosen family and where we were and what what the priorities and the 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 kind of constellation of issues that help queer communities become unique, like how they factor. Yeah, and also, so this brings up, like, one of my favorite topics to talk about, and I know this sounds so cheesy, it's very, like, my mother told me when I was young, we were all born superstars kind of thing. You love a quotable, Sam. We don't have the rights to that song, Um, but my mother actually literally told me when I was young, this is the only piece of advice that she ever really gave me, um, was to find my tribe. Yeah. Which is very wise advice, because, you know, like a lot of queer people, they, you know, you might have had a little bit of a hard time in high school or middle school or just like in your hometown. And, you know, that it becomes, you know, you, a big part of your narrative becomes finding your tribe, finding people that are like you, finding people that accept you, finding people that you relate to, and finding people that push you in a direction that is positive and, you know, is inspiring. Um, so that was a big part of my queer narrative is finding my people, which you know, I lived in New York City, like I said, for a while, and I had thought that I had, you know, found my people in the club scene, and I was in the club, and I was a dancer in the club, um, and, you know, I was, you know, pretty naive at the time, um, and I thought that that was my tribe, these people in the club, which was all very fun and stuff, but, you know, people change, and I sort of went in a more agrarian direction and found more peace and happiness with uh, what I would describe as a less Con, I don't know, a less conventional queer group of people, mm-hmm. or at least less um, uh, what someone that might not be part of queer people on the daily would consider abnormal. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, sure. but you get my point. Sure, Sam. Maybe maybe we can clarify things that, you know, we do have stereotypes, and we do yeah, have... Yeah, exactly, stereotypes. Um, conceptions, misconceptions, disconceptions of like what some sort of uh, LGBTQIA, et cetera, ideal lifestyle or life cycle looks like. And because we're all so unique, like it's part of the evolution of our communities to start breaking down those misconceptions that like I'm really, again, really proud, really honored to be in rural queer spaces where people are doing some hard-ass work. They're taking care of horses and animals. They're trying to create um, very ecologically sustainable farms. Absolutely. And, and like queer people, you queer people have a unique take on how those things can be. It doesn't disparage any 
any other people who are doing those projects, but we're there. We're there just as much as we're there um, as part of uh, sexual health activism, um, uh, sex work and housing rights and um, uh, gender expression protection and um, health, uh, health insurance access and general human rights issues that we assume only are being uh, uh, actively and really dynamically engaged with in cities. People are doing these things in rural counties. People are doing these things all over the nation and all over the world. So that perspective is just really important. It's refreshing to be here in Kentucky, Sam, because it means that, um, you know, they, Kentucky may not be on some people's radar, but because it is your life, you can explain your own perspective. You can say that, yeah, we get along over video games and role-playing games the way that nerds in San Francisco do, queer or not. I do want to actually uh, just clarify as well that I'm not suggesting, I'm sure that you're not suggesting either, that like one queer adventure, queer narrative, or you know, queer life cycle is the right one. Right. And that's really the key. Yeah. So like if it's... Uh, city life in San Francisco or LA or New York City or if it's a rural life or if it's any type of life you know what I'm saying is that there's no guidebook for how to be a queer person and how to live your queer life it's about being fearless and figuring out where your path is taking you and not to be constrained by what society or what trends or what other people are telling you is the way that you're supposed to be living your life. True, Sam. And maybe uh, that a concise way of distilling it is that, like, you said there's no, there's no wrong way or, or there's, no, there's no ideal way, that, um, that there's no magic formula. We are, queer folk have been um, pioneering and so unique in how we put our lives together that it's just again a matter of like finding that freedom that we have had to struggle with but also have a really profound moments of and want to offer to those we love that we we can be a guidepost or at least a kind of example to others adjacent or not so adjacent to us that like life doesn't have to go certain societally prescribed ways. And I think that's what I love about being a queer folk. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about something else. I'm so excited to find out what that something else is when we get back, Sam. Oh yeah, it's going to be great. See you guys in a bit. See ya. And we're back. 
We're back, Sam. We talked about some things during break, and now we are ready to turn up the flames of our queerness, aren't we? We also ate some very crunchy food. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, we didn't do that on the mic, because I know Sam had mentioned that some people have a real sensory issue with crunchy things on podcasts. Well, we could do an ASMR episode one day where we intentionally eat crunchy things near the microphone, because some people do find it relaxing. Well, people find my voice very relaxing, It is very relaxing. I've been thinking about that this whole time. Well, maybe we'll just have to do How Queers Relax, Mm. a future episode. How about that, Sam? Oh, our red red light episode. Uh, By the way, that uh, cute little uh, outro, intro, middle thing. Interlude. Interlude Interlude. was brought to you by Jeremy and his ukulele. Yes, cause, because, like I was saying, Sam, we're in Kentucky, and I absolutely love bluegrass and, um, like, Scotch-Irish, like, Northern European folk music. So that's my little honky-tonk interlude. So, Jeremy, what are some of your favorite queer-identifying artists? Some of my queer-identifying artists that I just really love and admire. Jeremy knows a lot about music. I do. I mean, I've been involved, and, um, but honestly, like, I love Ollie Alexander. What a precious soul from years and years. Oh, yeah, I love him. Um, Ollie's King just so, like, sensitive, and, and like, oh, thank you. Thank you for liking my voice and liking me, and I very much identify in a similar, like, this is great, but it also, like, it's very surreal to be in that position. So you're very grateful, but it can feel like a lot or even too much. So, yeah, thank you, Ollie Alexander. Should you ever hear this, you're a wonderful unicorn queer creature, and I love you. Um, other queer identified artists that have been... Um, a, a source of a joy or curiosity, inspiration. I like um, Fisher Spooner. I uh, love the sound, and I love the points that um, the Fisher Spooner, uh, Casey Fisher, uh, have made. It's mixing like performance art and, and queer experience and a richer um, uh, kind of darker dance, pop, it's introspective. I love that. I'll Let me think of one more that gets me going. Hmm. Hmm. I just, this is a weird, and I don't know if it really suffices, but someone who gives me that like elfin queer vibe, but is very much embraced by the queer community is Robin. Hmm. I agree. So I don't know, was that whole thing that went down with Robin, like being asked to be married by some beautiful, uh, looks like a feminine femme creature, was that real or just kind of like a cute joke? Because I think it happened on a talk show. Do you know anything of this? I don't know anything about that. What I do know about Robin, I saw a YouTube video recently which talked about Robin turning from like, kind of like a pop 
sort of, I don't know, I think they used the word slave in the video. But Whoa. Like, pop, like, you know, uh, sort of more manufactured. Scion. Yeah, right? Scion, to taking more control of her career and her artistic identity, which I really appreciate. And I really have a lot of respect for people that really take control of their own artistic identity in the music sphere. Uh, Marina and the Diamonds, who I wouldn't necessarily say identifies as queer, but is one of my favorite artists, definitely is someone who really took control of her own uh, projection, not projection, her own, um, path, her, own, her own image, her own path as an artist. So yeah, I always appreciate artists like that. Uh, we have actually talked a lot today about an artist that you like, uh, Lady Gaga. Would you identify her as a queer identifying artist? I believe she identifies as bisexual and more sexually fluid. And but the funny thing is, because I am not female body, but I identify as gender variant and gender floral and gender multiplicitous. Um, that for for um, female bodied folks, I I find that as a queer historian, that the sexual fluidity mode has been possibly a touch. Um, easier a touch I can't make though anything more than based on the historical documents I read that amongst female bodied creatures that they allow themselves more intimacy in more subtle and sophisticated ways that I think because of patriarchal programming male bodied creatures have found much more difficult or risky or dangerous so concerning Gaga, I hope she is sexually and still uh, remains uh, more gender unique and gender uh, spectrum expressive. But I think she's very deeply connected uh, and feels a deep connection with the queer community too. So I don't want to, I don't want to take that away from people if there's real evidence and a journey that has us. Uh, that speaks to that, you know, Sam? Yeah, and also, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, I don't necessarily equate, like certainly there's crossover, but I don't necessarily equate being queer to being um, any specific type of gender or sexuality. I think just sort of recognition that you are a part of this large spectrum that we all exist on is definitely a big part of being queer, and I certainly think that she does that as well. Um, I think she's very aware of the ins and outs of gender and sexuality as being not as binary as some people might want us to believe. Yeah. Um, you yourself, Jeremy, are a queer-identifying artist as well. Well, I am. Thank you, Sam. And you know what? Uh, in my work with Alaska, and especially as it came to fruition on Amethyst Journey... Like, we want to talk about the connection between gender variance and the expression of Earth and us as children, as uh, the children and Earth siblings with one another. We're Earthlings, no matter where, wherever else we come from interdimensionally. We are all children of Earth when we are in these bodies and living upon this planet. So Amethyst's journey speaks to, like, certain kinds of queerness and, and gender variance and 
um, uh, femme power and and uh, many forms of feminism. So yeah, I I I'm very grateful that, that you know there's many female bodied and AFAB and queer identifying folks and gender non ordinary, gender non normal, gender fabulous, gender unicorn creatures that have supported us in the amethyst journey because me as a nomadic queer artist right now i really want to take it seriously i don't just want to be some bougie artist that's just like yeah this is a really cute really like posh boutique um project i don't believe in that bullshit i think i need to live it i want to come to kentucky and see what queer life is like here i want to go to other places and talk to people and help spread the message that we are siblings and that the more we love each other and the more we open our ears and our hearts that we are going to make some radical changes that queer folk can lead this yeah yeah i also do think though like it's all about being you know just allowing yourself to be whomever i mean this can sound so cheesy but like just to be whomever you are in whatever space you are currently occupying you know, yeah. change um, isn't always organized. It's often disorganized. And just being a part of your own community, but being unapologetically yourself, but also on that token, um, being patient with other people that might not understand your narrative or your journey or who you are. Um, you know, being patient with them in terms of educating them on the fact that, hey, maybe gender or sexuality or all these other queer concepts that, you know, we are now, um, that are now becoming more and more part of uh, our society are. Um, you know, a lot of people, you just have to have patience with them and just allow them to meet you and see, hey, this person's, you know, he's this person, he or she or it or whatever, um, gender or them or, you know, <laughs> it's really unfortunate that there's not an easy gender, uh, gender neutral uh, uh, noun or verb in the English uh, or language. a pronoun? Pronoun. It's pronoun. a pronoun. It's a pronoun. Pronouns. 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 Um, yeah, I agree, Sam. And I think that would be also, as we are both uh, uh, setting this podcast to sail on the various seven plus C's, that these very ideas are going to become the sprouts of other podcasts. Like, yeah, let's freaking talk about pronouns. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't have to get into it right now, but but I think there's the creativity of, of our community is what will allow these languages and these um, modes of inter-understanding and inter-appreciation to evolve, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I think it's important to keep the dialogue open and honest and also, like, you know, with the premise that these are all normal things, it's not that deep. Um, and, you know, just to keep the dialogue going, allowing people to grow and change and to be educated and to educate, all wrapped up into one beautiful burrito. Well, that sounds delicious, Sam. I, I would um, kind of bounce back to saying, like, normal doesn't, doesn't have to be um, validated or um, created as a label outside your own self-loving bubble. What is normal could just really be replaced by what's healthy for us. 
I mean, can we burn normal at the stake as this, at this creature that just keeps us from being our most full blooming, beautiful selves, you know, but all, but like, there's a space where like, because of, of what we've been through queer and human that, um, we provide each other with unique uh, methods of support and understanding or silent space holding, you know? So that's, that's really kind of getting into the, the really inward parts. But we've been talking about us being from different places and having, different, uh, having visited different spaces Sam, so I think different spaces, different places, and different strokes for different folks. Yeah. So, um, where do we want to go in talking about? I have a question for you. Uh huh. My dearest Jeremy. Why yes. Um, where did you like have a moment in your own personal life where you sort of like realized that you were queer? Like you know, for because for me, like you know, there's a lot of different words that like for queer or fag or any of those you know that language when I was in high school or middle school was very derisive and it was definitely something that was used to hurt me and then as I grew and became more educated and became more in tune with you know the queer movement that word changed and it became something positive and something to encompass more than just being gay or more than just being you know a fag so I definitely had like a queer enlightenment myself. I mean, definitely going to the you know place where Jeremy and I met, sort of like a queer commune, um, and just realizing that there's more to me than just my sexuality in terms of my queerness. Um, so, what was your queer journey like? When when did you start identifying with that term? Well, Sam, it's to me it was a matter of doing the research, which is funny because you know I spent most of I spent all of my 20s in uh, the academic bubble and the academic utopia you know I want to be very specific about my language because now that I'm no longer exclusively or um, identifying with that but that I've had a good decade of experience in academia that um I always love research. I want to know how far things go. I want to know what the terms are. And that I just love being inspired by creative creatures um, that came before me. So for me, like, a moment where I realized I was queer early on was um, since I grew up in a, a previously evangelical a Christian household in southwestern Pennsylvania. I wasn't allowed to watch secular music videos, but when my mom went out to Bible study or went out for an hour or so, I flipped on MTV and VH1, so I would feel like I was having um, media and uh, experiences that uh, I could relate to others in high school with. So I turned on... I know I remember I was 16... And I turned on VH1 one afternoon and I saw the opening to Annie Lennox's No More I Love You's video. Now, this is a killer video, stunning video that changed my life. It's like, 
oh my god and the and the cool thing about this video was that it that it um featured the ballet trocadero right and these are all on point drag queens um male ballet on point as in like, uh, literally these male on point? these male ba- these male ballet dancer drag queen troupe right i mean like it didn't all start with Brooklyn Heights, honey. It didn't start in 2018, 19, or 2010 or whatever with Brooklyn Heights. The ballet trocadero um, have been around for decades, and this was the 90s, and it was Annie Lennox's music video as part of her Medusa album, and she just comes out looking like this late Victorian Bordello Diana, like this Artemis goddess of the moon. She was like sitting in her velvet corset and and, and like roses and that strange uh, tulle, the strange tulle Mickey Mouse ears jutting out the side. I love a strange tulle. I know, Sam. We'll get to that in another episode. But but this whole idea of these magnificent gender-bending dancers worshipping this goddess, and this goddess was just totally over-the-top and camp of so serious but so real, and the song is so beautiful. And really tipped me over into, into queer unicorn, a magical fairy gender variant deities mythological land and i've been in that space ever since did you ever like okay so i remember um watching an interview with courtney act and one of the things that she said which really kind of like resonated with me Uh was um that till she was like 20 something she really truly thought that she would one day be an underwear model because she needed yeah. Uh, what's her name? Out of drag? Shane. There we go. Oh, that's my face. I have a French name, Shane, too. Anyway, getting off topic. Point is, um, she had um, uh, this sort of idea that she needed this validation of being this masculine presence or being this idealized uh, male figure until she realized, oh, like I don't need to do that. I can be as masculine or as feminine as I want on my own terms. Did you have that kind of sort of sexual enlightenment period as well for yourself? I mean, I think honestly a lot of my sexual enlightenment had to come later because as a nerdy mutant unicorn kind of creature, I can get along with a lot of people. But um, I think what I need is the sign that these other creatures um, get that Get that I do and act and behave in a unique sense. So it wasn't really until I met the radical fairies that um, I got to experience and be exposed to and interact with every wonderful tone and shade of, of you know, there are a lot of male-bodied folks, but trans folks mm-hmm, and um, kink folks and these are not things that I like spend a lot of time investing in because what I invest in is is me and my heart and my compassion and my creativity and be being a courageous queer magical healer witch person you know so sexually I think that took much longer because like 
this is a, a great future episode. It's like, what's sexual health and what's sexual, it uh, un you know, or what's sexual health and what's sexual dysfunction? What's sex? It, it's different for each person. But I found that like, through the radical fairies, I was able to at least explore things and find out whether they were for me or not. Instead of just feeling like I was too skinny. Too nerdy, not cool enough, not rich enough, being a broke ass academic. Which I can't. I can only imagine that you know that's rampant in your hometown of LA, right? I mean, there's a lot of sort of. Oh, honey, sexual... she ain't my hometown. She's where I worked <laughs> and played for ten years, but bless her heart. But you know what I mean. It's like the place I of, did a lot a, of developing. There's, there's a lot of um, sexual. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Consumerism. Consumerism, but also like, you know, expectation of how someone is supposed to look and act to be desirable. Oh, all the logarithms of being geometrically appropriate, like, and then not even knowing how to deal with those people because they they get both elevated and they, then you desire them and fetishize them. And there's all these weird confusions and contortions of how we... How queer people view each other because we're in the same, we're in the same quagmire as like the whole cis heck folks and fashion magazines and trying to be this ideal. But what what's behind that ideal? What's behind the aura? Do you think, <laughs> dear God? <laughs> hey Sam, listen everyone. Sam likes to do these quotables at me, so I think it's only fair that I quote right back when he gets into these quotable moments. That's fair. Um, do you think that in the gay scene, in the club, this sort of idea of like no fats, no femmes, no this, no that, sort of oh limiting, limiting things because you yeah. have your 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 insecurity dreams. And do you think it's insecurity? Oh. Do you think it's in, uh, your internalized homophobia? Is she internalized homophobia though? Right. I mean, there's some controversial comments about, oh, this gym bunny with a pretty face wants to try on drag. What is she giving up? What is she losing? What danger does she have by putting on lingerie when she's got a great pair of tits and ass? You know, those are some real questions because, like, as someone that we worked out today, as folks who work out but don't come out of our gym time just like, Looking like a print model, or looking like an in like some sort of Instagram Speak for babe. yourself. Yo, you bitch. But like, it, these are the things. These are why people don't talk to one another. This is why people get scared or like weird out or, or like make really mean judgment calls about someone who can be an absolutely lovely soul, and they just happen to have a, a fitness journey that helps them feel good about themselves. So if I may interject, because I actually, this reminded me of an interaction I had when I worked at Splash uh -huh. um, in New York City, which Splash, in case you uh, listeners don't know, was the largest gay bar, um, gay nightclub in New York City for a while. It, it's since closed as, you know, nightlife is struggling to survive these days, but it was the biggest. I uh, worked there as a dancer. And I remember I worked with another dancer who decided to transition. She um, had, uh, you know, a metamorphosis and decided that she wanted to start transitioning into a woman. Um, 
and explore that part of her identity. And I remember someone saying something to the effect of like, oh, like being so perturbed by this because she was such a cute, desirable boy. And it really upset me because of this sort of, like we're we're talking about this expectation that uh, certain uh, aspects of gay culture, LGBT culture, which um, have these, are based in idealized form rather yeah. than who you actually want to be. Yeah. And I, I, and I, and that's actually one of my favorite things about the direction that we're going as an LGBTQ plus community is that it really does seem to be going in the direction of um, accepting and admiring all different types of people and all different types of journeys and not just some juiced up muscle queer <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah the the muscle bunny gay and the ideal you know uh butch lesbian business creature or the uh the uh sexy cosmopolitan bisexual or the absolutely flawless trans person or the completely politically uh, brilliant uh, casts all categories aside, but it's still absolutely um, a physical or otherwise um, uh, media uh, media uh, desirable queer person. You know, I think um, I'm very glad that we bring these issues, these challenges, and these opportunities for dialogue to the podcast. Because, you know, there's, again, there's like what we see in the media and media has so long been a tool of manipulation rather than celebration. And so we're finding our, our proportions, but also we've got to be uh, vigilant against the way we treat ourselves as a result of what we see on social media and how we treat other people as a result of our um, uh, how often and how intensely social media is influencing our aesthetics, our tastes, and our senses of the ideal Sam. And I'm very glad that we're heading towards the end of the podcast with this because I want all of our listeners and anyone who wants to go on this uh, fairly queer podcast with us to be able to have enlightened, respectful, compassionate conversation about it. Because when we open our ears and hearts to others, we're going to be able to be, have our minds and our hearts blown open by people's magical, real lived experiences. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe as a final concluding, uh, uh, offering a little sparkling unicorn present, there is, there is such a wonderful and bountiful queer community all over this earth. And That's some great. of our siblings, some of our siblings have it well and they're generous about it. And that's not always the case. But I know I've personally seen it in places as far flung as Croatia and Brazil and uh, Perth. In Western Australia, Perth. Path. Um, and I've gotten to see it in the witchy queers of Ireland 
and the and the far out queens and otherwise of San Francisco, and the uh, television drag queens with an enlightened platform living wherever they do. So it's just when we tune ourselves to commit and to listen to each other's stories. The the one final question I have is, our are we listening as much as we're commenting? Are we listening with open hearts, open hearts and open ears as much as we are reacting or commenting or liking? Can we just sit with someone's experience, say, wow, it's not mine, but it's theirs, and it's real, and it's lived? So with that final sparkle, sparkling cosmic queer glitters sent out into the world, I bid everyone adieu and pleasant day and wonderful week and weekend to you until our next episode. Sam, would you like to say goodbye as well? Yes. Thank you all for listening. I really hope that you all stick around to listen to us explore all sorts of fairly queer concepts here on our podcast um we really appreciate you listening please give us your feedback if there's any particular topics that you'd be interested in us discussing and dissecting and just you know going in depth about and um yeah till next time till next time this is a fairly queer podcast with sam and jeremy Wee. bye goodbye everyone <laughs>